0: Father God, we thank you so much for um, being so good to us and for doing to us um, these things that we talk about in this Sunday School series, God. And uh, I pray that as we study the topic of regeneration, it would cause us to worship you more, that it would cause us to be so much more thankful for what you what you have done in our life, God. And um, yeah, so I pray for these next few moments as we spend together looking at your word, that you would be over us, that you would open our hearts and minds to this teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys. All right. Let's get started. So, last week, uh, we, go, we are going through the Ordo salutis. The order of salvation. This is Latin. And then Michael went over effectual calling
1: last week. Hey! Okay.
0: And today, we are going through regeneration. So, if you look on your sheets... You will see the order of, uh, of uh, salvation right here. So there is effectual calling, regeneration. Next week is faith and repentance. We've got justification, adoption, sanctification, and ultimately glorification. So what is regeneration? Let me, uh, let's go into the etymology. So, Jen, um, there's a book in the Bible that starts with this. Anyone want to tell me what it is? Genesis. Yes. Genesis. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> Genesis. Good. Numbers. <laughs> 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 this means the beginning or Book of Beginnings. And gen, this is um, this is the root word for that. So mm-hmm. when we look at regeneration, for this word right there. Let's isolate that. So regeneration means beginning. Regeneration means again. So uh, the beginning again of us so this uh, regeneration another word for this is the is um, born again so this phrase became really popular in the in the uh, 70s and 80s Um, Jimmy Carter was interviewed by a magazine and and he said I'm a born again Christian Jimmy Carter the president of the US at that time Um, and this kind of uh, solidified this phrase in the public in, in the uh, c- kind of consciousness of, of the public, which is Christians are born-again people. Um, and then Chuck Colson, he's, he was a, uh, a politician turned Christian, and he wrote a book called Born Again. So this phrase was really popular in the 70s and 80s, and it kind of became a phrase that uh, people used to make fun of Christians. But really it's uh, what it means is it comes from John 3. Let's turn there real quick. I'm going to... Uh, this kind of gives us a frame of reference to think about this concept of regeneration or being born again. I'm sorry, I don't have the the uh, text here in, on the Sunday school sheet, but uh, I'll just read it. Matthew, Mark, John. John, what? John three, and this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. All right, uh, I'll start uh, chapter one of John three. Or verse one. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So here's his phrase, born again. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what what uh, this Pharisee is saying is he's he's hearing Jesus say, you must be born again. And he's like, this sounds like such a weird idea. <clears throat> like, how am I going to be born again? Because the first, proce- the first time I was born, that was a pretty messy thing. That was kind of, you know, like I come out of my mom and it's, you know... How am I, How is that going to happen again? How can it um, occur again? Can it go back into my mother and be born again? And Jesus says, no. Um, when I say born again, I'm talking about something else. So we'll talk about that something else in the next few moments. All right. So uh, let me re- define regeneration for you guys. Uh, right here. The secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. The work of the Spirit, whereby he implants the new life of Christ in the heart of the sinner. So let me kind of um, go back to last week's lesson on effectual calling. And let me make a distinction between effectual calling and regeneration. So uh, this actually, um, a lot of people, they might put together effectual calling and regeneration. They'll say it's the same thing, but let me make the distinction for it. So effectual calling is the process in which God um, brings us to him, the process in which he calls us to him. Regeneration is the um, the act of the Holy Spirit in which he um, gives us new life. So there's a process, which is what Michael, Pastor Michael talked about, and then regeneration is the act of the Spirit in which we are brought again to this to this second life that we have. So we are born again when we are regenerated. Um, John 11. I'm going to have uh, Jeff, can I have you read this long passage right here? And this is um, this will also help us think about what it means to be brought to life. Then Jesus
2: told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that you may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, "Lazarus, come out!" The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, "Unbind him and let him go."
0: Okay, thank you. So this is um, mm-hmm. kind of a, uh, this picture kind of presents to us uh, a small. Um, <clears throat> il- it's an illustration of what happens to us. So. Notice this man, Lazarus, he was dead. Um, the scriptures make sure to tell us like he was for sure dead. He's been dead for four days. He is in a tomb. And Jesus said, Jesus brings him to life. And it's not that he, um, Jesus gives him medicine when he is sick to make him better. It's not that uh, maybe they just made a mistake and he, G- Lazarus wasn't really dead and Jesus just woke him up. It was a... Lazarus was dead as a doornail There was no life in him at all And Jesus brought him to life And this is what God does to us When he regenerates us We are completely, completely dead There is no life There is no sign of life in us at all And um, this will lead us to our next point Why is regeneration necessary? And uh, I have this uh, little little, uh, note here Um, Before the new birth happens to us We are spiritually dead we are morally selfish and rebellious, and we are legally guilty before God's law and under His wrath. So this is our condition before God brings us to life. So why is regeneration necessary? It's necessary because, just like Lazarus, we are completely dead with no hope of ever coming to life again. But God brings us to life through this through this um, step of of um, regeneration. So I'm going to talk about why regeneration is necessary here. Jesus says in John 3, 7, you must be born again. It's There is no other option if you want to live. Um, you need to be born again. You need to be regenerated. So we're going to go through a bunch of points to kind of paint a bleak picture of our condition before we're brought to life. So Tub, can I have you read 1 um, uh, Ephesians 2, 1, uh, telling us that we're spiritually dead? And you are dead in the trespasses and sins. Thanks. Actually, can you read the other two verses as well? Second yeah. um,
3: Corinthians? Yeah. Uh, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. For we ourselves one, uh, were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, Hated by others and hating one another.
0: Alright, thank you. So, our first point is we are spiritually dead. So Just as Lazarus had no life in him, no physical life in him, we have no spiritual life in us. Um, our next point, can I have, Stuart, can I have you read this uh, verse from John 3,
2: 20 Yeah, it says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness <coughs> rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to to the light, lest his works should be exposed.
0: Thanks. So we love what we should hate and hate what we should love. Our value system is completely upside down. It's not what it should be. So not only are we dead, but even in our physical life, we we can't love good um, and the evil that we should hate we love. And this is what this passage is telling us. Dom, um, can I have you read um, Ezekiel thirty-six and also Ephesians four mm-hmm. eight?
4: <clears throat> and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. And then, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. right, thanks.
0: So, our hearts are hard. It means that um, things that we should be sensitive to, um, it's, I mean, like, uh, like, sometimes, like, movie illustrations, they give us this, uh, (coughs) uh, like, characters who are very, like, hard-hearted. These are the people that... Mm -hmm. Um, are, you know, nothing affects them. Uh, when, when, uh, Christina and I went to, um, Hawaii last week on the plane, we watched Oz the Great and Powerful with James Franco. And, um, it's, it's a pretty good movie, but there's one scene in there where the character played by Malikunis, she is a witch, but she initially starts as a good witch, but she finds out her sister kind of like tricks her and she says, you know, this, this, uh, this wizard, he has run off with another girl and she, uh... And the the Milo Kunis' character's sister, she says, if you just eat this apple... It's actually kind of um, a reflection of the Garden of Eden, what happened in the Garden of Eden. But she says, if you eat this apple, then you will really see what is happening with this former boyfriend of yours. And she says, just take a bite out out of it. So Milo Kunis, the supposedly good witch, she takes a bite out of the apple, and then she stumbles and staggers around for a few moments... And she asks her sister, what is happening to to me? Like, I didn't think that it would be this bad when I took a bite of this apple. And her sister tells her, "Um, your heart is becoming hardened. This is what happened by taking the food. You became who you really were. Um, You really are a bad witch. And she is the main uh, uh, antagonist in the movie for the rest of the movie is this witch. her, Her heart becomes hardened. Um, she develops this like ugly face she turns green she has this uh like warty nose she rides around in a broomstick now and this is what this is her condition her heart is hard there's nothing that can penetrate it there's no goodness that can get into it and she is completely shut off to any goodness and this is our condition as well before we're brought to life is everything good um that, that we should see as good we can't see as good Inf- instead we our hearts are just shut off to it we can't love beauty we can't hate evil so that's what it means when it says our hearts are hard um, Chelsea can I have you read um, this verse from Romans 8 please
1: for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile <clears throat> to God for it does not submit to God's law indeed it cannot there are who in, those who are in the flesh cannot please God
0: alright thank you so we are unable to please God. Before we're brought to life, we're unable to please God. So what this means is um, for us, for other people that are not brought to life, nothing they do can bring any pleasure to God. Um, God looks at their acts and he says, this uh, brings me, br- makes me angry. This brings displeasure to me. And this is our condition. There's nothing we can do that can make God happy. Um, Harry, can I have you read uh, First Corinthians 2.14, please?
1: Uh, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, but they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned.
0: All right, we're unable to accept the gospel. So... If someone were to come into, walk into church later, and when they hear the gospel, if there's anything in them that has any um, interest in the gospel, if there's anything in them that goes, oh, maybe it might be true, if there's anything in them that, that goes, what's happening here? I don't understand it, but I, I want to know more. That means that there is some life in them. That, that, that means that God <coughs> has is doing something in them. But if God does not bring someone to life, if, if God does not regenerate them, then they cannot accept the gospel. They cannot understand the gospel in a way that they should. So we cannot understand the gospel, accept the gospel, uh, if we are not regenerated. Um, Erica, can I have you read uh, these two verses, John 6 and 1 Corinthians 12?
2: No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is a curse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit.
0: All right, thank you. So we are unable to come to Christ or embrace him as Lord. And we'll talk more about um, these verses towards the end of the lesson. But if we're not regenerated, then we're, we're unable to come to Christ. We're unable to respond to the gospel. Um, Dan, can I have you read Romans six seventeen and also Ephesians 2, please?
1: <coughs> you were once slaves of sin. You were dread in the trespass and sins in which you were once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience.
0: All right, thanks. So we were once slaves to we we're slaves to sin and Satan without regeneration. So what comes to mind is if you guys have ever watched movies about slavery, um, slavery slavery's really brutal thing. You have a master here telling you this is how you have to live. This is what you have to do. You have no freedom. You have no opportunity to do what you want to do yourself. You're completely enslaved. And when it when the Bible says that we're enslaved to sin and we're enslaved to Satan, it's saying that everything that we do revolves around this uh, this fact that we are stuck to our sin, that we're stuck to Satan, and we cannot do what we really should be doing. It's telling us I, there's sometimes there we we become so um there are some people that are so enslaved to sin they don't even know that they're enslaved to sin they think that oh because uh if for example if they're um if you guys know alcoholics or know of stories of alcoholism or drugs people who are truly addicted there's nothing they can do to escape that alcohol if they see that that bottle of wine or beer Um, They're going to want to drink it because they they tell themselves, I have no other choice. And they may say, well, if I'm truly free, I can do whatever I want. And what Mm -hmm. I want to do is I want to drink this alcohol. But if that is our mindsets, if we say, what I really want to do, the only thing I want to do is drink that alcohol, that person is a slave to alcohol. And in the same way, when we say that we have freedom, when we say, I can do whatever I want to do, and when that, when that, whatever it is that you want to do, when that's sinful, what that's telling us is that we are slaves to sin. And we have no other choice. The uh, we, When we think that we have a choice to choose it or not, if our natural disposition towards it, if our desire is for that thing, then we are a slave to that. So before we're regenerated, we are slaves to sin and Satan. We have no other master. There's nothing else that controls us. Except sin and Satan. Okay, the last points. Um, I had Tracy. Can I have you read uh, Romans seven eighteen, please?
1: For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. All right,
0: nothing good dwells in us, and this is. Scary. Just as Lazarus had no life in him, we have no spiritual life in us. There's nothing in us, not even the tiniest bit of life in us. So this is why regeneration is necessary. This is why Jesus says, you must be born again because all of us are completely dead. We have no life in us. So we need, if we are to see the kingdom of God, if we are to live and be the people, live as and be the people that God has made us to be, something needs to happen to us and we need to be brought to life okay any questions or comments at this point so i I used all these verses um i wanted to have us read them because i want us to understand just how desperate our situation is it's not that we are um actually it's not just that we're desperate it's that there is no hope at all there's no hope in us um, there's no spark of life, so something needs to come, something needs to happen to us. So this is what regeneration is. It's the act of the Holy Spirit bringing us to life. It's, uh, uh, it's the Holy Spirit not only bringing us to life, but also giving us, um, here's this word, disposition. Um, disposition is, this is, um, how would you describe it? disposition is um, the way that a person is pointed. Um, if someone is pointed towards, let's say sin, that this is the direction of their life. When someone uh, when God changes someone's disposition through the process through this act of regeneration, it's now towards righteousness. So it's not only that we're, we our appetites are made better, it's that our appetites are completely changed. And this is something that happens. I, I defined um, regeneration earlier as kind of a secret thing that happens. And we don't know when exactly it happens. We don't know exactly what happens in us when it happens. But then one of the main things is our disposition is changed Okay, so let's talk about the characteristics of regeneration. So our first one here is regeneration is totally a work of God. And I have this word right here, monergistic. Okay, Um, I'm going to split these words up. I split this word up. So erg, uh, this is the... uh, Latin, um, root for energy or work. So, and then mon. What, uh, think in terms of, um, numbers. What do you think mon means? There's mono, if, if someone is monolingual, how many languages do they speak? One. One. Okay. So it's one that works. And who is this one person that works? Yes. God. It's God that works. So, what monergism means is that the work necessary to bring us to life is done by one person. There's another word, uh, synergy. This is a word that, you know, you might hear it in the corporate world. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where um, if there's, like, a lot of good stuff going on, it's because there are multiple people involved in this process of <laughs> making something happen. And they're like, oh, this is a great thing. But in our salvation, there is only one person that works. It's not us co- cooperating with God, it's God doing all the work. So this is what monergism is, okay? So let's look at the verses that point us to this. Um, Ashley, can I have you read uh, John 1, 12, and 13, please?
4: Uh, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name... Um, he gave the right to become the children of God who are born, not of
0: blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Thanks. So uh, it's it's not because we decide that we want to become um, Christians or children of God. Sorry, I'm like wiping my head; it's kind of distracting. Um, uh, but it's because it's the will of God alone that changes us. Okay, Christine, can I have you read Ezekiel 36? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh,
1: flesh and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules all
0: right thanks so it's god alone that gives us a new heart he changes us uh and then james one eighteen. uh ashley can i have you read this
1: of his own will he of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures all
0: right of his own will again we see that first peter 1 3 can i have you read that lisa
1: Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the
0: dead. Alright, thank you. Um, so it's God that caused us to be born again. It's not that God said, Hey, do you want to become born again? It's no, it's God causing us. Um, God is doing all the work to bring us to this point of being born again. Um Jazzy, I don't know. If, I'm not sure if you have a sheet, but can you read off someone's sheet and read uh, John three three through eight again? This is, I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna go through the story of Nicodemus one more time.
3: <clears throat> Jesus answered him, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." Nicodemus said to him, "How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born?" Jesus answered, Truly, really, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God.
0: Thanks. And can you read uh, John 6 and on, on the next page as well? Right. John six sixty four through 65. Or whoever has that, can you go ahead and read it? Uh, I got it. Uh,
3: but there are some of you who do not believe. And he said... This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the
0: Father. All right, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. So it's God alone who decides that we are going to be regenerated. So what happens when we are uh, regenerated? Tommy, can I have you read uh, 2 Corinthians and also um, Deuteronomy?
2: Therefore, if anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live.
0: All right, thank you. So when we are regenerated, we are made new. It's it's um and I love the this this picture that Paul paints in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. He says, "If you're <clears throat> new, you, if you're in Christ, you're not a better person. You're not." A, um, a more pleasant person you're, he says you're completely new, you're a completely different person and this is what happens when we are born again, we are new creatures um, and everything is different um, and Nathan can I have you read um, I don't want to take much time can you just read the first two verses 1 Corinthians 2 and 1 Corinthians 6 please
4: these things God has revealed to us through His Spirit the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. You were washed, you were sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of God.
0: Thanks. Actually, can you go all the way down, or can you read Titus 3, 5 as well, in that point?
4: He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal
0: of the Holy Spirit. Alright, thank you. So the Spirit of God works in us, in this act of regeneration, it's the spirits, um, working to bri- to to regenerate us. Okay. Questions or comments at this point? Yes.
4: Um, so when we're made new, I mean, like, would you say that we're not um, we're not regenerated in Christ if we stumble of the old sins again? Then.
0: Yeah. This is actually um, it's, that's a really good question because we think like, oh, well, if you're a new creature, then. Um, everything should uh, you should be perfect. I mean, like ideally, we should be perfect. We should not have to struggle with the things that we struggle with before. But this is one of the thing, This is one of the aspects of the Christian life is we are going to stumble. We're still going to deal with sin, and we see this in Romans seven, where it says, "There's nothing good that dwells in me." Um, there's there are these desires and appetites that I want to fight, um, and this is something that Paul had to deal with the, his whole life, and this is something that we all have to deal with in our whole life is. We all have our own sins that we deal with. And um, as long as we're alive in this world, we are going to continue to struggle with them. So, um, but what it means, I think when when we are regenerated, when we are born again, it's not that we don't struggle with the sin anymore, but it's that that sin doesn't have a hold on us like it did before. So, um, in time, and we'll talk about this more, uh, actually under the, if you look at the first page, there is um, sanctification. This is one of the, uh, points under the order of salvation is this is God doing his work in a stripping us of our love of sin. So, um, we are made new, but doesn't mean that we're completely perfect yet.
4: So there's still, like, a lot of growth to be done. Right, yeah. and
0: Which is really good news. Like it's it's uh, When I hear of, you know, like, famous like saints or missionaries or pastors who, after 30, 40, 50 years of ministry, I hear, I still do struggle with these sins it's a huge encouragement to me because i'm not perfect um and i think at this point i should be perfect uh, because i've been a christian for so long but i think this is a story for everyone is no matter how long you've been a christian you're still gonna have these uh issues that you're gonna deal with in your life so it's an encouragement because it tells me that i'm not alone and also that god is not done with me yet so we i mean like I I guess most of us are pretty young here um, when we are still worshipping with each other here 40 years from now um, when we can, maybe we'll be able to look back and say I knew you when you were were 25 years old and you were such a jerk but God has (laughs) done such a work in you Um, but we'll talk I I think I'm doing that Sunday school lesson but we'll talk about that more in in the sanctification Sunday school lesson okay um Okay, the result of regeneration. Uh, Roxanne, can I have you read Ephesians two ten, please? Which God prepared beforehand that we should
1: walk
0: in Okay, so um, when we are regenerated, if we're truly brought to life, we're going to there's going to be good work coming from our lives. Can I have you read first John five four as well, please? Right. thanks. Um, so if we are born of God, if we are regenerated, we will overcome the world. Um, doesn't mean that we won't be discouraged. It doesn't mean that we're always going to win. But ultimately, we will overcome uh, the world. Um, 1 Corinthians 2. Can I go back to you, Jeff? Can I have you read 1 Corinthians 2? 2, 2, 2, 2, A natural
2: person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind understood the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ.
0: All right, Thanks. Um, and let me also summarize this next two verses for the sake of time. Um, we have a spirit of wisdom. Our hearts, the eyes of our hearts, are opened so we can see what God is doing and who God is. Um, first John 3 um, we don't make a practice of sinning it doesn't mean that we don't sin it means that we don't make a practice we don't continually, habitually uh, willingly go back to the sins that we have um, so the result of regeneration is and we'll talk more about this in the other um, other steps in the Ordo Salutis but um, this, what happens is how do you know that someone has been born again? their life will show it in the good works that they do, in their hatred of sin, in their spiritual understanding. If if there's some things that we cannot understand if we aren't brought to life. Okay? Questions or comments? Okay. And this, uh, our our last point, this is a really important point because what we believe about the order of salvation will put us in certain theological camps. Um, And I think that this... This next point here, regeneration precedes faith, is an amazing thing because there are so many churches, so many people that say um, regeneration comes after we have faith. But what do we believe? We believe that regeneration comes before faith, and this makes all the difference in the world. First um, Corinthians two thirteen through fourteen. Uh, Tub can I have you read uh, yeah. this?
3: Okay. And we impart this in words. Uh, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the uh, the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them
0: because they are spiritually discerned. All right, thank you. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So, when you bring someone, if you were to bring someone to church who's not a believer. ...and you tell them you're going to hear the gospel... ...and they hear the gospel... ...if that person does not have the work of God in him... ...if God is not working in this person... ...if God is not regenerating... ...if God does not regenerate this person... ...he cannot understand the most significant things of the gospel... They can't, ...he cannot be convicted... ...and what a lot of people think is... ...okay, I'm going to let, let my hear, friend hear the gospel... ...and um, if the message is good enough... If if the if the whole atmosphere is right, if the environment is comfortable for them, um, and if I can if the preacher uh, preaches well enough, then maybe this person will believe it. Maybe this person will accept it. And what this point says is, if God does not bring them to life for us, it doesn't matter how good the message is. It doesn't matter what type of environment it is. It doesn't matter how good of a witness you are to them if God does not regenerate them, they cannot understand the gospel. They cannot respond to the gospel. Um, can I have... Uh, uh, Dumb, can I have you read Second um, Corinthians 4, please?
4: Yes. Um, and, even in, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For God, who said, "Let light shine out of darkness," has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ.
0: All right, thanks. So it's it's do- to those who are perishing, to those who are not um, regenerate. Their their eyes are veiled to this gospel truth. Okay, First um, John four nineteen. Uh, we love because he first loved us. So if we are to love God, it's only because God loved us first. We can't res- we can't tell God. God, I, I love you so much, and only if only you would love me back. It never works like that. If we have any desire for God, it's because God has loved us first. Um, this uh, verse in Acts 6.14, it tells us about this uh, how regeneration precedes faith. Stuart, can I have you read this, please?
2: One who has heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of
0: uh, Thyatira. Thyatira,
2: the seller of purple goods who is a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was
3: said by
0: Paul. Alright, so Paul spoke the gospel and this woman Lydia heard it. But it's really interesting what this verse says. Before she heard the gospel, it was God that opened her heart. You guys see that? So if she were... For, in order for her to pay attention to the gospel, in order for her to respond to the gospel, God mm-hmm. had to open her heart first. Okay? Um... Ephesians two five, Chelsea. Can I have you read that, please?
1: Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved.
0: All right. So, um, when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive. This we were born again, um, th- and this is God working in us. This is the point before we became, before we made the decision, before we committed our life to Christ. And our last verse right here, 1 John 5.1. Um, can I have you read this, Erica?
1: Everyone who believes that
3: Jesus is the Christ has been born of God.
0: All right. So, who has been born of God? It's it's those that believe. Or let me ask, ask it the other way. Um, who is it that believes? It's those that are born of God, right? So, it doesn't say... Um, first you believe and then you're born of God and it says that you're born of God first and then you believe and this is, um, this, is this this is these three words regeneration precedes faith this captures what sets us apart from a lot of other popular evangelical Christianity which says um, we're, we're going to start everything up we're going to preach as good as we can. we can we're going to have the best worship band and we are going to preach the gospel to you and if we're good enough, um, then you will accept, you will believe. But what this says is, if God has brought you to life, then you will believe. It ensures that everyone that God wants to become a Christian will become a Christian. And this actually, um, Regeneration, it, it corresponds with, if you guys remember the uh, five points of Calvinism or the tulip, this uh, irresist, irresistible... Grace. It corresponds with this point in the TULIP acronym. It means that whatever God is going to do, it's going to happen. And this is really, really, really good news. It means that no matter how hard you kick and scream against God, um, God is going to regenerate you. He's going to give you new life if He has chosen you. So, this is a, a really good point that guarantees our salvation. Um, questions or comments?
3: So when when you when you speak about like you know other like evangelical like churches who kind of put on the production is that in and of itself like bad or like no. if somebody if some if somebody adheres to faith precedes regeneration?
0: Yeah, it's, well, I mean, just like ha, be, being excellent in church is uh, is always a good thing, and I think we should strive towards that. But then some people they they put their faith in how well they can do things versus what God is already doing in in their lives. And how this works for us is um, there are pe- all of us know um, non-Christians in our lives that we want to share the gospel with. And what when what this is a guarantee of is if God has has chosen your friends to to be his child, it means that they will ultimately become They will ultimately become a Christian. It guarantees our evangelistic efforts. Like I know, like um, uh, yes, yesterday in San Francisco, there was like this huge like um rally or whatever, um, and there were probably a lot of non-Christians there, and if they accepted Christ, it was because God was already doing a work in them. So, um, I think it gives us a lot of encouragement knowing that God has already guaranteed, um, His work in their life.
1: I think I think Michael used, uh, gave a good uh, illustration once he says that um, uh, we are dead, right? Like you were saying, we are dead, dead. So so we're like we're on a there's a big boat and then there's dead, uh, that's capsized and there's dead people in the water, um, and then people are trying to throw life rafts, right? Or or, or, uh, mm. or uh, what do you call those donuts? Like life preservers. Yeah. So <laughs> then it's not like people are, are are sort of alive and you throw them a life raft in to safe, They're like dead. And then, so so when you throw it, throw the life it, It's not, it's not like, no, they yeah. They can't, they it. can't grab onto mm. it. Yeah, they're dead. They yeah. So it's it's God that completely brings people to life. Yeah. Um, and so that that gives us, I, I think, uh, a greater understanding of what grace is and, and how God reaches out to us, right? Yeah. Apart from us, like we, we you know, like apart from God, we have nothing. Right? It's exactly. like he does everything.
0: Else. I love that illustration. Um, I actually taught on something similar to this years ago, and. Um, uh, I I brought in like a dead fish, and uh, um, it was uh, it was like maybe like this big. And then I was like, how how can we how can we bring this fish to life? It, am I going to spra- I sprayed Lysol on it? Um, it didn't come to life. I sprayed like perfume on it to make it smell better. It still didn't come to life. I yelled at it. I said, "Come to life!" And the fish never came to life. Um, and what would have been? How could I have brought that to life? I couldn't have because there is no life in it. And the same way for us is that there is no life in us. It doesn't matter how how um, loud you scream at someone. It doesn't matter how long you try to um, persuade them. Um, we can't rely on our own strength and our own smarts to bring someone to life it has to be the work of god this is this thing right here it's monergism the work of god is monergistic it's god doing everything and that means that god gets all the glory for everything which is what we want ultimately right we want god this is why one of our uh, one of the cries of the reformation was soli deo gloria glory to god alone we don't want man to receive any credit for anything because we want God to receive the glory, we want God to receive the credit for everything that happens in our lives.
4: Okay. But the idea is like um, we shouldn't stop pursuing non-believers, though, right? Because even though like yeah, there yeah. is God that transforms their hearts, like I can like yell, like say, "David was non-believer," like just because they yell at him doesn't mean he'll believe. But, like, right. I mean, I shouldn't stop like trying to like, like reach out to him. Right. And yeah. And, yeah. And stuff, right. Exactly. And I can't just be like, like just like oh, God will do His work. Then I'm just gonna chill.
0: Yeah. It's, and we're, I think um, Michael and Harry and I—we're going to talk about more about this in the coming weeks—is how does this come about? How do we? How do we? Uh, what do we need to do to bring people to this point where they say, "Yes, I do believe uh, the gospel."
4: Hyper Calvinism. <laughs> okay, so
0: there's, so Michael said that uh, <laughs> this is called hyper Calvinism. There are some people that say. Um, that's because the work of God isn't guaranteed in their life, we don't have to do anything. And this is an objection to Calvinism, which is, well, if God chose them already, why do we need to do anything at all? Because they're eventually going to become saved. It doesn't matter what I do. And that is a flawed understanding of how God works. Um, Yes, God does all the work, but then God does the work through us as well. Um, So we are, um, it says in the Bible, we um, we work with God. Um, I think it's in... um, one of, the, one of Paul epistles um, I think first or second Corinthians, where he says I'm oh, sorry uh, we work with the strength that God gives us so um, we'll talk more about it like for people to hear to for people to respond to the gospel they need to hear the gospel first so we have a uh, privileged position in working with God um, in the power that God provides so yeah well, I think we'll talk more about those those things in the coming weeks yes
1: uh. Is it important to understand how God chooses who
0: brings to life and who he doesn't? Um, I don't think we can understand it um, because we don't know why God chooses the people that he does. And um, like here in the definition we say that this is kind of a secret act. We don't know how God chooses these people. We don't know why he chooses them. So I, I think this is a mystery to us. And it's not I don't think we can understand who... Sorry. Yeah. I, I think for, for us to uh, kind of speculate as to who or how God does it, it's not really useful to us. Um, Michael talked about this uh, last week, is there is a general call of the gospel that goes to everyone, and there's the effectual call. And our job is to share the gospel with everyone, and whoever God has chosen in heat, they will respond um, but I think uh, to look at it from a very positive stance is that it means that our evangelistic work is guaranteed. So there, there's there's a lot more that probably comes along with this so feel free to ask me or Michael or Harry or anyone else that has studied this and we'll talk about more about this stuff uh, in the coming weeks as well. Okay I'm going to close this in prayer, but feel free to ask more questions after this okay. Father God, we thank you so much for bringing us to life, for giving us a second life, for uh, making us new creations, for giving us hearts of flesh and start, instead of hearts of stone, God. And we are so thankful for the work that you do in us and in our friends. And God, we, uh, we praise you for your grace and your work in us. And uh, we, we just say thank you a trillion times to you, God. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.